Season 5, Episode 4 of the Bridgeport Zone Podcast. I'm Carlos Ortega. Now my last guest, Sars Ford, was my last guest on my podcast. Was my only guest. Now I have a guest for Episode 4 of Season 5. I'll let you know who it is. But first, it's the one and only Billy Doggett. Brought to you by Aces Bill Bonds. Aces Bill Bonds serves the whole entire state. They're at 1125 North Avenue, Bridgeport. Call 203-366-4817 or their toll-free number 866-777-BOND, 866-777-2663 or go to their website, acesbillbondct.com. Wow. My guest is a mayoral candidate for the city of Bridgeport, one of five, including the incumbent, Mr. John Gomes. Thank you. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Well, thank you for having me. A pleasure to be here. And thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak to uh, your audience, our audience, mm-hmm. uh, about me and my candidacy and how together we could um, make Bridgeport a place that we will be proud to call home once again. Okay. Um, as you and many other people, nearly 100,000 people have seen on YouTube the video of Warren Harding High School, what was left behind, what was not taken out, blood, what have you, your thoughts on it. That truly comes down to accountability. Uh, partnership between the city and the Board of Ed to understand that when school's closing, what's in there, uh, what needs to be moved out, what needs to be reallocated to certain organizations that might use some of the resources left in there or some of the um, equipment and so forth. Um, but it, it starts, obviously, because this is a Board of Ed entity uh, with true Board of Ed accountability um, and also with a conversation with the Board of Ed members, um, the board members, to talk about we have Harding High, uh, High School, it's closing, what's the inventory, uh, what can we use, where and how, uh, and, um, and and really go from there. Um, 
but I did. I haven't seen the video, but I I I I've, uh, talked to some people as far as uh, some experiences. Uh, they they felt some frustration, but it, it's something that we need to look forward and say, okay, now we, what do we do with Basic? Mm-hmm. And any Gomes administration, what would the situation be like for Basic High School? It would be nothing short of a partnership, um, a partnership between the Board of Ed and city, uh, and also the residents, uh, the Board of Education members, to understand, number one, you're building uh, a new Bassett High School, you're closing this one, along with the, cl- the, the principal uh, that's at that school, take a true count of inventory that's there, and, and, and look at some of the regional nonprofit groups, local nonprofit groups, and say, what can we use, what can we not use, and um, you know we move forward from there. Um, you need uh, a Gomes administration that would reflect that of the community, meaning that you know you have to really be be a partner when you talk about education. You have to not only um, talk to the students, talk to the teachers, talk to the parents, uh, go to the board of education meeting, um, maybe set a quarterly or a monthly meeting with the board of education uh, board members. Uh, but there would definitely have to be a monthly meeting with the superintendent to understand the plans, where we're going, what are the needs, and all of that would be involved based on me as a mayor walking the neighborhood and talking to those teachers and parents because I, you know education made me who I am today. Uh, my kids went to the public education system. Mm-hmm. I went through the public education system. So I understand the hardship. I understand the difficulties. Um, and I treasure every teacher in every classroom because right. they gave me the opportunity to learn the word, the, learn English, um, learn the culture. Um, in schools is where I learned about friendship, uh, learned to love the city of Bridgeport. So without education, there is nothing. Now, people at Harding High School, alums, you've had friends who have went to Harding. I've had many friends. They're pretty much saying that this is typical. They treat Harding like it's a quote-unquote second-class citizens. And they're tired of it. They see the video, and they looked at the video, and they're saying, hey, this is typical. Harding High School gets treated like this. Would that happen in a Gomes administration? Oh, without a doubt, no. Um, I, I, I think the other thing I'll take even a little further mm-hmm. is that there's that stigma about Bridgeport as a whole that stepchild syndrome from outside towns and neighborhoods and but yet you know most of them come to Bridgeport for certain needs so Hmm. we need to build that pride and reinstate what we feel Bridgeport deserves collectively so we could really show them what Bridgeport is about under my administration uh, that pride will be restored uh, with an efficient government an accountable government but more importantly, one that's transparent, one that's inclusive of the people. When I say the people, I'm talking about our residents, one that the city council will be held accountable for actions, one that will integrate our decision with the NRZs, neighborhood uh, groups. Um, but it, it's an unfortunate situation because I've lived in Bridgeport for 40-something years, and I know what Bridgeport has. Uh, and more importantly, working in, inside city government, I know what we have and what's been mismanaged and I use correctly or with the interest just for selected few. 
right. and that needs to change. And that's why I'm sitting at this in this chair right now and asking the support of the people because we need to really make a bridge board that's inclusive of all the people and that it's run by people that have the experience, the leadership and the skill sets to run the city, but that live in the city. Mm-hmm. That when you make that money from the city, you spend it back in the city. When you call 911, you're experiencing the service of that 911 call center, fire, or police, whatever it may be. Because the majority of those leading the city right now, they come to work at nine, leave at five. Mm-hmm. Not here at nighttime, not here on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So you cannot make a decision that impacts my life or our life without understanding the consequences or the impact it's having, whether positively or negative. You're running for mayor. Uh, the rumors of you running for mayor got around to the mayor. He heard about it. You were dismissed. I know other employees who support your candidacy were also dismissed. People in the mayor's office, city attorney says, it's for reorganizational reasons. I personally think it's BS. I think they are, I'm not going to say fearful of you in your candidacy, but they want to uh, mitigate your candidacy. What are your thoughts on that? Do you support people? I know you don't support support people getting fired no, it, for reasons like that, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts as an individual, you come into work professionally, you execute the job and responsibility that you have. What you do on your personal time is uh, up to you. Uh, you cannot have an environment where you're being harassed, bullied, and threatened. Um, my candidacy is one that's looking to change that because, as I said, I want to be an open, transparent government, one that represents the people. I'm not just talking it. I've been living it for 40-something years. Uh, part of the problem that we have in the city of Bridgeport is many politicians come and make a lot of promises, and they fail to deliver. And ultimately, the voices go unheard. Mm-hmm. Some of the votes go uncounted. And um, many people just walk away. And we need to re-energize that base and say to the people, listen, the only way we are going to make a difference, the only, are, the only way we will be part of that difference is by taking action. Right. And I'm asking for their support. My agenda is solely to um, bring Bridgeport to what it can be. You and I had this discussion before. Um, we supported Mayor Ganim when he re-ran for mayor. He lost me when he ran for governor. Where did he lose you? And the, when you talk about the consequences of the decision that's not being made, okay. um, internally there, there are a lot of recommendations that have been put forth mm-hmm. to be made in order to um, make lives better for the residents of Bridgeport. And the decision process is selective. It's done for a certain few with certain benefits. Right. And we need to be open and transparent across. Uh, I'm one of the most loyal per- person there is. I go in, I give you 110% because I believe in the cause and, I, cause and I'm committed to the cause. But at the same time, I cannot walk the streets and tell the people, we're getting to it, we're getting to it, when we know what the solutions are. Right. And um, ultimately, um, I am Bridgeport. I reside in Bridgeport. I stay in Bridgeport. I don't leave Bridgeport. And not at five o'clock or at the nights or weekends. So, 
you cannot look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I'm doing the best I can when you know you're not. If I go away on vacation, I come back home. Yes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, let's talk about your campaign. You told me before you raised $100,000. Very good. You're on the verge of doing that probably in this quarter of fundraising. I've seen your billboards all over the place, online, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, what has set your campaign apart from not only the mayor, but the other candidates, Marilyn Moore. Um, I, I'm totally lost on his name again. I had it. His last name is Daniels. I'm sorry, Mr. Daniels, if I don't know your first name. But what has your campaign done to set yourself apart from them? I think the first, the first part is commitment. Um, we're in this to win. We are committed to our vision, our idea. Even if you don't get the nomination from the Democratic Town Committee? I mean, the Town Committee, you approach them respectfully mm -hmm. for the, the, the nomination, but it's not something on my mind. Okay. Um, because ultimately, it's the voice of the people. Ultimately, those signatures that we get translates into vote. So going back to your question is that, first of all, it's commitment. Commitment to what we believe in, believe in commitment to what we put everything on the line for, commitment to the grassroots campaign that's reaching to the people to talk about their issues, whether you're a resident, small business owner, we're feeling the same impact. It's a subpart, quality of education, dirty streets, the tax are incredibly high, the personal property tax are incredibly high. While many from the outside are getting jobs, making income, and really not giving a damn about the city of Bridgeport. Right. And that's a perspective that needs to change. Um, the second thing is experience. Um, I bring in an uh, 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 intimate knowledge of city government that knows what's wrong, how it can be fixed, uh, without much of a learning curve. Obviously, you need to put the right team around you right. to um, ad address the uh, circumstance or the, the, the problems. And um, I'm in different corners of Bridgeport. People are seeing me. We are talking to the people um, about their issues, our issues. How can we collectively make it better? And I believe that's where it's been. As you said, we raised $100,000, which has never been done historically in 19 days in December. And you had four holidays within the month of December. Anyone that's in a nonprofit or any other organization that tries to raise money, they often stay away from December because it's one of the most difficult part time to raise money. Yes. That yes, in it itself is. shows that the people are willing and ready to move Bridgeport in a different direction. And then the second quarter, not only that we raised another 100000 but we did uh, a book for one of the fundraisers, the first fundraisers we did in person, which we attracted over 153 businesses to support. And those businesses are the backbone of Bridgeport. So that shows you that there is a strong, vibrant commitment and a strong sense of hope that Bridgeport can be transformed and changed. And the only way it can be done is through a collective effort where we believe in the candidate, its message, and we bring out those that have been oppressed, those that have been silenced, and execute where those votes are count counted really fairly, legally, and equal. Yeah, we've had issues with votes being counted. Marcus Brown Harrigan and uh, Jack Hennessy had an issue during the, their campaigns how do you get that resolved? How do you, as the mayor, get that resolved? How do you hold people accountable when things like, oh, this absentee ballot wasn't 
correct, what have you, how come the voting machines were working, whatever the issue is when it comes to election day. I think that's, that's about transparency. That's about approaching the people and letting them know the rules and guidelines about absentee ballot, how to get it, who could touch it, when to vote on it, when to put in the mail, who could put in the mail, educate the senior citizens, the truth behind some of the empty lies that's being put out there that they're going to get all of this from certain uh, um, by committing their, their absentee ballot to certain individuals. Um, we have to make sure that the polls are staffed correctly. Um, mm. We have to make sure that the list of registered voters truly reflect that. Um, and also, we would have to ask the state to be very involved in the upcoming election. Right. Uh, the Secretary of the State needs to make sure there's a watchdog that, that knows, understands the, the stigma, let's put it that way, yeah. the experience of Bridgeport and they're watching every angle and make sure that every vote is count, counted equally. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, it, it's a process that you need to get, you need to re-educate Bridgeport because the old way need to go. We need to really bring into the, the current um, uh, time where people understand, you know, you don't have to be afraid to vote. You don't have to be afraid yeah. about your ABs. You don't have to be afraid that if you talk for that person, that person is going to retaliate against you. Mm -hmm. And we can only do it collectively where everyone says enough is enough. Yeah, that this this way is not working. It's Things need change. Let's talk about violence, crime in the city. We've had six homicides. We're on pace to 24 homicides in the year. I've said on my podcast when Bridgeport had just 15 homicides and the capital city of Hartford had 39. And people are saying, oh, my, Bridgeport, the old K-Corral, the wild, wild west. And then here Hartford has 39. How do we change that stigma that we have that, people are just outside of Bridgeport don't see. We have to bring them back to Bridgeport. And that's what I'm trying to do through this campaign, is show them the, beautif the beautifulness, if that's a word, yeah. about Bridgeport, yeah. what, we, what we have. Because Bridgeport from the outside is stigmatized. They, they talk negative. Were you going to Bridgeport or not Bridgeport? Yeah. Or if, you know, you live, some, some people instead of saying, I live in Bridgeport, I live in Fairfield County. No, you live in Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what we have to do co collectively is beautify our city, re-energize our city, create consistent economic development, create a true, a true partnership with the Board of Education, understand the resources we have when we talk about public um, safety, when we talk about police, fire, uh, the 911 calling center, to understand the contracts that we have there, the open positions, um, projection on number of officers or firemen that we want, the trucks they have, the cars they have, the technology they have. All of these things are obtainable, but they need to have someone that's hands-on, that's in charge, that understands the intricacies when you talk about government and really, really is vested about the well-being of Bridgeport. You cannot hold the job simply for the title you got to be vested in it. You got to want it, you got to live it, and you got to breathe it. 
And the only way to do that is by putting the right person in the leadership role as mayor to then act as an anchor to bring every individual um, organizations around you and create that image that Bridgeport can and will be what we all thrive for Bridgeport to be. Could not agree with you more. Mayor's mayor. It's not just a title. You have to live it. You have to breathe it. You have to go about your business as the mayor and do the things out there that make people see and they're noticing it. Speaking about a man who's has a title, Chief Roderick Porter, your thoughts on him thus far as police chief? I, he's been put in. I haven't had the conversation. I've seen some, some changes he has brought in um, uh, recently. But I could tell you, without a hands-on leader, it doesn't matter the changes he's trying to be because that resources mm-hmm. need to start something somewhere. It needs to start with the right budget. It needs to start with the right partnership. As a mayor, you need to go to the roll call, talk to the officers, talk to the patrol. You need to talk to the sergeant, lieutenant. But more importantly, you need to integrate the, the, the police department with the community. You cannot have one officer handling the community service department. Okay. Because you, you need that partnership when you talk about city hall, police department, fire department. You need that person that's going to support you when times are good but going to tell you when times are bad. Oh. And when things are wrong, there needs to be some true accountability. So um, I'll be, you know, hopefully when elected, um, have a uh, sit-down or hands-on experience with uh, Chief Porter. I, I do have extensive knowledge of uh, uh, police department operation as uh, uh, when I worked in the city. Many of the initiatives that actually are, have been implemented with the police department have been because of some projects that I worked on from a technological standpoint, uh, from a training standpoint. So uh, there needs to be a true partnership when you talk about uh, a city hall and these individual public safety sectors then to really have a true effect in the streets. How do you curb crime? I know that's a very blunt question to ask but how do you curb crime in the city there's lots of people that say what are, what are they doing about crime i ask you preventive measures okay you need to um, have the right training the right resources you need to be culturally sensitive to the environment you're in uh, you need to be community oriented to make sure that the community know there's a partnership between the police department and um, that community. You need to have a strong um, relationship with the small businesses so they could actually be your partner to help you when there's a problem or even to prevent a problem from having. Um, But the other part is that you need the right equipment, the right resources. Um, Right now, Bridgeport is at a point, you could say almost crisis. You're down 130 officers. You have another 60 officers that could retire any time after June 27th. These are numbers or data that have been available for the past six years. Six years? Yes. So I could tell you how many people are going to retire in the city for the next 20 years. So it's just a matter of how you prepare, how you put things in place to make sure you are ahead of things that are 
to happen that control obviously the support that we the residents need uh, at industry level yeah um, uh, you know from the number of cars uh, the wear and tear in the cars the replacement the radio um, you know from the taser to the gun I mean everything that that any city employee ha needs as far as equipment or resources it's very much something that could be measured and be and, and and take the necessary steps to make sure they have adequate when it comes time to uh, to replace. I wish I was thirty years young. I could apply, but <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> impossible. Um, I think you still could apply. I could, yeah. As I could long as still you pass apply. the test. I mean, there's a very couple, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first one is the I think the uh, based on age you have to run certain yeah, mileage. Exactly. And then yeah, we'll that, go from there. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to get that. Um, A.J. Perez, the former chief, um, his uh, time, I'm not going to say controversial, but let's say was unique. Um, he was, he pled guilty to cheating. The state attorney general's office wants to cut his pension. Do you support that or do you want to just say, I've had enough of A.J. Perez. I'm moving on from him. Whatever happens to him, happens to him. I think the more important part is to focus on what we're going to do as a city to right. fix the situation. Um, I, I think the more we open some wounds, the more fresh they stay. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I agree there needs some decision needs to be made and needs to be quickly so we can move right. forward. Um, but I think the more important thing is how do we fix the issues we have at hand and um, how do we put forth a plan that makes sense for Bridgeport because any and everything that's um, being decided on, it's impacting us financially, and that's our taxpayer's dollar. Yeah. Speaking about economics, the I look around the city, and I also look through the state, and we're talking minimum wage increases, and I'm saying to myself, where are the jobs? I'm going to increase minimum wage if there are not enough jobs here. How does the city get jobs in the city? Well, one of the first thing we have to do is we have to get rid of the bottlenecks. Bottlenecks meaning that we have contractors, we have investors who want to come to the city. Unfortunately, our system is not allowing them because whether you're waiting six months, a year for certain permits, um, the frustration level gets to a point where they're going elsewhere. I think, you know, that's one of the things I pointed out when we talked about um, my experience to come in and address that immediately. Um, the second thing is to um, talk to the right investor, to have the right people in place when you talk ab about economic development. It has to be an urban s mindset, hands-on approach to be able to really do um, consistent development that's, uh, that maintains uh, against our our current time, because when you look at other cities in the neighboring neighboring towns, they are developing. Why aren't we developing? When we have the languages, we have the waterways, we have the culture diversification. We have every tool necessary for us to thrive, and that's part of what I'm going to do is bring the right people together, and immediately start putting projects in place that's not for the benefits of selected few. Right. I mean, I, I'm current, currently there There are investors who are interested in, in coming to Bridgeport. When we talk about between one to four billion dollars in new investment, uh, this is one of the biggest, this is the biggest city in the state and we don't mm -hmm. even have a hotel. 
I know that's ridiculous. I so mean, <laughs> there, there's a lot of work to be done, uh, but I think also people recognize the potential of Bridgeport. They want to come to Bridgeport, but they're also as eager that there needs to be a, a, a new leadership and change in order to foster that um, that that hope and that want for new investors to come in. I asked this question because Brenda Kopchak, first select woman of Fairfield, and I see that she is getting investors, jobs in her town of Fairfield, and I'm saying to myself, self, how come Bridgeport can't do the same thing? How come they can't do the same thing that she has done? And she's done tremendous things there. How could, that's what you were talking about, getting investors to come in, and yes, she is hands-on. She's saying, okay, where are we going to spend the money? Right. Where, where is it going to be? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it, it's hands-on. You need that vision, which talks about where we're talking about the different sectors of new industries that we want to bring in. Um, not jobs, but skilled jobs. How do we um, invest in Bridgeport, make the money in Bridgeport, but also, more importantly, keep it in Bridgeport? Um, right. You know, um, but it's it's putting the right team around. It's also reaching outside the Bridgeport boundaries. When you look at Baltimore, you look at um, Atlanta, you look at San Francisco, uh, you look at Boston, you look at some of the develop, even, I mean, Providence, Rhode Island, some of the things that are happening there, how, um, you, know, you, you know, you there has to be this, this, this hunger, this hands-on, and with the right people, with the right skill set, uh, because investors are willing to come to Bridgeport. I know that for a fact. The thing is, they want they, they feel they're being held back? Or the system is holding them back, but also leadership is holding them back. Okay. And also, when we talk about economic development, we have to understand everything about that, that it's a positive economic development. And we also have to look at gentrification mm-hmm. as another factor. So when we talk about certain things that... Uh, is being put forth economic development. I would also ask to put forth the numbers to explain the revenue that's impacting the city and how that is reducing the tax base and that's how and, and how it's impacting that money coming out of each resident's pocket. We can't just talk from a peripheral standpoint and say, look at that building, it's a great economic development. Yeah. Well, let's break down the numbers and look at really how it is and what impact it has across not only monetarily but jobs and so forth and so on right one more question about economics and then we'll go into another subject um that's my phone okay (laughs) um waterbury's palace theater they got money from the state we have a majestic theater for years and few other theaters that have been collecting dust it has been collecting dust for years. They, as you said, have got developers to rebuild or build new theaters. Have Would you go to the state and say, hey, won't you give me a, some millions of dollars to rebuild the theater? Or is this going to take some grassroots getting investors involved to get that theater or theaters rebuilt? I think the first thing is that open it up. I mean, it, 
open it up to investors to see who apply, how uh, the application process um, through RFPs, and how does that vision or that project that they would have in mind falls in when you talk about the, the master plan or just the projects downtown overall. But the more interesting thing is that almost four or five years ago, there was an investor that was interested in the Majestic yes. Theater. Uh, they proposed a $137 million project to be divided into three phases. And it was clear, it was not supported by the administration the way it needed to be, or else it could have been uh, we in could the building have process right now. Yeah. The Majestic Theater, as you said, has been shut down since 1969. It's a landmark. Why? There was no reason. There is no reason. No reason to close it, but... So for it to remain shut for this amount of time. Yeah, it's there, 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 are, there, are, there, there are interested developers um, to invest in the Majestic Theater along its bordering areas uh, without a substantial impact to the city of Bridgeport as far as tax breaks and things of that nature. And along those lines, downtown has a potential. Oh, without a doubt. You know, it has a potential. Uh, rebuild the Majestic um improved foot traffic there. I'm not talking about hustle and bustle New York, but when I compare the foot traffic when I leave Bridgeport and take a train to New Haven, it's a stark difference. It's a stark difference and I'm like, whoa. That's no, it. without a doubt. Well, you need to look at the synergy, you look at need to look at what other cities are doing, as I said. I mean we have walk accessibility from all the way from Seaside down to yeah. Main Street into Stratford Avenue down uh, Norton Street and you know it, it can't be done it just the right mindset the right vision with the right hands-on approach um, it can be a project that's conducive to the environment with new retail new housing new um, new businesses um, you know, Atlanta, for example, did the belt, uh, the Beltway, I believe the project is started in 2005. Now they create over $5 billion of new um, business every year. And I believe they employ over five, 6,000 people um, with um, permanent jobs. So these are, can, can be done. Stanford, again, Stanford has done it, uh, Brooklyn Shipyard, where mm -hmm. they did in Brooklyn. So all these things can be done. Again, it's with the right leadership, the right mindset, the right people around the table. And and uh, and getting rid of the bottlenecks that we have within the city, to make sure that it's a it's a friendlier atmosphere to investors to con no to contractors no matter how big how small you are, but to make sure that um, you know the process is moving through when you're asked for a permit, or that the zoning regulations are friendly, uh, based on what's happening competitively to our neighboring cities. Okay, for the record, for the Majestic Theater. You give it to the contractors first, and then go elsewhere. Well, that's the process. Right. Uh, and any any project you do, you would put it out. Uh, they, there would be bids coming in, and that bid then is evaluated as long as it follows certain guidelines and contingencies, and it falls within you know the overall vision. It would be awarded on a on a. Um, uh, on, I, I would believe on a scale base, okay. um, but uh, that's the process you would with any project. Nothing's okay. awarded directly; it has to go through a bidding process, um, which is done through our purchasing or through the purchasing department at the city. Okay, our roads—they are a mess. Not not a great mess, good mess. A lot of people have complained. My street needs to be fixed. My street needs to be fixed potholes all over the place 
They're not even been filled. They're not even being repaved. Your position on our city streets? I think it's a it's a matter of taking inventory and identify based on priorities. Uh, but I would add to that, aside from the streets, the sidewalks. Right. And, you know, we need to hold elected officials as part of that table mm-hmm. conversation uh, to talk about what are the potential um, needs from a dollar perspective and then break it down by square mileage and then ask them to come back with it. Uh, one thing we have to do is provide a safe uh, not only the safe streets but also safe sidewalk for our residents to walk on and a lot of the sidewalks are are broken up and the burden falls on the residents and we have to kind of we have to revisit that and ask if um, so much money is coming in could we reallocate it based on priorities to fix it where the burden's not so much on the residents I totally forgot about the sidewalks I'm always thinking about driving the roads and I see it all the time it's I mean, the streets every year is allocated a certain amount of money to pave them. But the question is, is it being paved right? Is it being paved consistent? Or are they coming in and just doing some patch jobs and moving on? Those are things that we really need to to evaluate. And and when I talk about transparent, this is the type of information that I would put readily available on the website so you could see the condition of the roads, what's being paved, and also hold, I would say, that... um, each resident called their city council and said, listen, this is the condition of our road. You get so much money a year allocated to this resident, this area based on priority. Um, But it's a partnership. We need to hold these elected officials that are local, state, and federal to say, listen, this is what we need. You need to bring this back to us. Speaking about your city council, uh, Edie Nieves, hopefully I pronounced her name right, is the president, how would you want the city council to hold you as far as checks and balances in the city? How would they, would you want them? I would think they would want to hold you accountable for certain things, no matter what it is. How would you want them to hold you accountable when it comes to anything? I want me, I want them to hold me fully, fully responsible because I believe that I'll do a job that's um, conducive to what our community want. That's what our resident wants. Um, but at the same time, um, I will hold them accountable yes. equally because only can we work together to make sure that what our residents are requesting are, are being done. And that's part of my campaign here is to be open and transparent and create a movement where we represent all the people um, without a doubt any and everything that happens at Bridgeport ultimately ends at the mayor's desk. And right. I'm, I'm fully aware of that, and I'm fully ready to take on that responsibility. But I think through that process, because I'll be a mayor that's hands-on, a mayor that has experience, a mayor that cares, a mayor that's in the community, a lot of the current issues that we have will not become issues or will never be an issue because we will be handling as we move along. David Daniels ran for mayor, a former police officer. He said that he wants a mayor, or he was going to be a mayor, who's a cheerleader for the city. Would you be that? Because it sounds like to me... I'll be a doer for the city. Um, That's even better. Yeah, I I, I believe in being hands-on, being a mayor that represents the needs, um, 
being a mayor that evaluate, creates a plan, gets the resource, holds you accountable. Uh, so I would say, you know, aside from being a mayor that represents and, and speaks various languages and, and will be a mayor <laughs> for all the people, I would say that I would be a mayor that's a doer, um, a mayor that's going to actually carry on what I'm talking, what I'm promising, because I'll be living. Your campaign manager, Lizette Colon, has been, I would say, by your side, I think, when you announce your candidacy. What has her impact meant to you? No, she's been tremendous. All of us involved in our campaign have been in our community for a while. We've lived the good, the bad. We've supported candidates on either side. And uh, ultimately, we stand here because our commitment remained firm. And that's what's the best for Bridgeport. Um, Lisset is a well-spoken, well-represented Hispanic woman with uh, strong credibility. And uh, she reflects many of those that are around me on my campaign. Um, we are not perfect, but our commitment is strong, it's firm, and that's because we believe that Bridgeport can be uh, what it should be, and it can only achieve that through right, the right leadership. Every time I see the city of Stanford, I give them all the credit in the world. They've had the right, the right idea, build the economy, build it up, and it's it's I'm not it's I'm not I'm not seeing that here. No. We're the largest city in the we're, state, and we we're not seeing it. that here. We don't have skylines. Uh, no. We don't have a strong, consistent economic development. Our streets are dirty. In the night, our streets are dark. Mm-hmm. Um, you call nine one one. You have to wait some time for hours. Sometimes, if they don't show up based on how many cops are in the streets, um, our, our teachers feel overwhelmed and they come here to do their short term and leave and go elsewhere. And so. Mm-hmm. That's happened to our police department. Uh, we have our public facility who, um, and our city employees, many of them who feel um, un- unmotivated and not doing that 100%. So there's a lot of things we need to do, but the only way to do it is starts at the top. Mm-hmm. If the top is putting their house in order and we are putting our house in order and we're walking the beat as to what we right. preach, it creates a, um, uh, an effect going downward. And I could promise you, um, with one opportunity um, to be your mayor, it's a four-term, four-year term. I could tell you that Bridgeport will be beating to a different drum. It, it, it'll definitely the energy, the spirit, the result um, will be impactful. Okay, you mentioned house, housing. People want affordable housing. How does that come about? Economic development, you have to have a plan that makes sense. You have to bring some of these nonprofit group around the table along with Harper to look at our target goal of housing. I think right now we're talking uh, 2029, a little over 6,000. I think we need to exceed that, but we need to put affordable housing or mixed housing in its right place where you have accessibility transportation, uh, grocery stores and other uh, amenities that's needed. Um, But that comes together true a, 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 a true sense of partnership with the state with the right people in economic development and putting a plan that that really makes sense 
because when we talk about economic development, as I said, one of the things we have to really keep in mind is gent gentrification. Mm -hmm. We want the people that have hi uh, have a history of Bridgeport staying here. We don't want them to go away because they can't afford it. Thus, also, yeah. you bring in skilled jobs. You bring in other sectors that's going to invest in Bridgeport and keep that money here in Bridgeport. So there's a lot of tangibles that go on with that, that theme of when we talk about housing and economic development. You mentioned the supermarket. Uh, I was in New Haven. I don't know if the store is still there. They have a supermarket there in downtown New Haven where people could just walk there, buy their food, buy whatever, and then walk back home. That helps. That yeah, helps. we don't have a. Well, no. the thing is, they tried to do, do a supermarket some time ago, and it just didn't work because um, there was no um, foot st foot footprints in, within downtown. Exactly. And so we have to build that. Not not only for that grocery store, for that hotel we want to bring, mm -hmm. uh, for the entertainment. Um, for other activities to make sure that we have all of those necessary uh, items or, or vehicles to keep the people in Bridgeport. Um, so that it has to work hands on hands hands with it has to work with each other. Your thoughts on the amphitheater, on the building, on the economics? I mean, for now, a, it's it's a great event. It brings a lot of entertainment. Um, but from a real perspective, much of the entertainment it brings really uh, doesn't relate that to Bridgeport in certain aspects. The second is the affordability cost as far as uh, ticket price. And the other thing ultimately is the financial, um, the finances behind amphitheater. Um, how much does it cost for the residents um, when you talk about um, yearly cost to the city of Bridgeport. Um, right. That we have to be very transparent and, and just not talk about it as a uh, economic development or as entertainment spot. But we have to uh, be very transparent about um, what it produces to the city and how in in numbers, and to really assess um, how well it's doing, um, because you know you. Before I believe there were 17 shows, and then the amphitheater came, and I I want to say that the shows have tripled. Mm -hmm. That takes away from manpower. Uh, you talk about police and other. Th how, how is the city being reimbursed? What are the numbers? What are the yearly um, taxes coming back? Right. Um, it's an investment that initially has cost the city almost. Um, I want to say close to 15 million dollars for mm -hmm. a project that cost a little over 20 something million dollars. <laughs> um, what are what is the uh, payout ratio? Yeah, um, it always comes down to economics. <laughs> it, it, it has does. to, yeah, to a large perspective. Does. It has to because ultimately, uh, we're the residents that's um, taking up the cost. Yeah. We're um, the ones that they answer to. Yeah. yeah. So we need to be clear. We need to be transparent. It's great, but me as a resident, I want to see really how much is it costing, how much is it bringing. It's great to have all these shows there, but, you know, is the city benefiting? If so, how much? That's right. You know, I have my own different take on it. I'm, people have heard it, and I'm not going to get back into it anyway. Um, website, campaigns, where would you be campaigning? Where is John Gomes going to be after 
he gets done with this podcast. <laughs> uh, you can always uh, reach my website at Um I would definitely ask of you to go in, uh, look at our policies as we release them one at a time. We have two that has been out. One's on good government. One is on um, public safety. We have another one coming out on education, then on economic development um, with a tax reduction. But also uh, equally important is the volunteer. This can only be done with the help of the people. We have different tabs that people go in and select and put the information. Um, but I, I'm all over the community. People can see mm -hmm. me in different neighborhoods um, and stop, ask questions on social media, uh, input any question or suggestion they may have. Um, this is a campaign that's done with the people, for the people, and by the people. And I can only get where I need to be in order to impact the decision with their input. Um, it, you know, nothing's perfect, but through collective ideas, we could create something that, that's very close to a perf uh, perf uh, perfect or perfection. When is the first primaries? Just September 12th is okay. the uh, primary, uh, the Democratic primary. And then before that, you're going to go in front of the Democratic Town Committee? I, looking at the dates, I believe that sometime in July, uh, the nomination process begins. Um, you know, you talk to the town committee members, see where they stand, um, and you know, who they're willing to endorse. But the equally important thing I want to tell everyone that this mayoral election is super important because not only you have the ability to elect the mayor, but you have 20 cities, city council seats that will be up for election. You have, I believe, three or four, three or four, now with the two Board of Ed, uh, vacancy, you have a town clerk, city clerk, and you also have sheriff. So altogether, mm -hmm. you're talking almost 30 seats that will be up for re-election, where really the people of Bridgeport can really make an impact based on what they feel they need to change or what they need to keep right to. By the way, the Board of Education, three members resigned. What are your thoughts on that? It, there needs to be a conversation. Um, why are you resigning? Yeah. What's not working? How can things be different? Uh, I understand some put because of personal reasons, but in, that sh in the short term, they have been there, feedback. I think that's important uh, because ultimately, any position that we leave vacant, it's impact that on the uh, kids, on the quality of education. Um, so th it's a, it's a, it's, everything we're talking about goes back to the roots, which is partnership and the right leadership. Okay. He's a good man. He's John Gomes, Democratic candidate for mayor, and I wish you the best of luck, and thank you for doing this podcast. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I, um, again, um, I, I, uh, I humbly ask for your support. Um, I'm as transparent as I can be. I sit and I stand before you um, as a vessel to bring the um, changes that we, the Bridgeport, Bridgeporters, feel we deserve and the vision that we all feel Bridgeport as well deserve and that's a uh, better Bridgeport for all of us. Thank you and that concludes season five episode four of the Bridgeport Zone podcast. I'm Carlos Ortega. We'll see you next time.